You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to episode 353 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we share a wonderful conversation with activist, politician, Sarah Cruz, We discuss she being a first-generation American and a first-generation college graduate, the significance of being young, female, Latina, and lesbian as a citizen and as an elected official, her experience through a recent campaign, coming out to the public during that campaign, and what she hopes to understand and accomplish as an activist and a politician. Also, we delve into her faith a bit. A wonderful conversation with Sarah Cruz on today's program. We have an EWSA titled Basking, and we share the extraordinary words, soul, and logic of Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King. We also have an EW poem titled, Woke. All of this, of course, as is always the case, is imbued, infused, with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 353 of Troubadours and Tours. to be Now ain't that what you want Ain't that what you need Yeah To float above it all Laughing even if you fall Oh yeah Let the rest of the clowns go on About their funny job Say it's true Who's going 
work shut down decades ago. It was an economic engine and an ethnic community building juggernaut. Today, the local Yoko visionary developers are touting its promise as a hip nouveau artist's loft and commercial market synthesis project. As they get tax-free status from the state, county, and municipality. And you know, too, that the site is purchased for a song even though none of these big shot business people can barely carry a tune. I love the Bowery in June. This is America. Underpants, underpants, underpants. Contraband, contraband, contraband. Ain't that America? Little pink houses. America the beautiful, primarily for God-fearing heterosexual spouses. Don't tread on me. Because Trump trumps thoughtful patriotism. Home of the brave, land of the free, if you look, think, and act like me. But I digress. My soul sometimes feels like it's steeping in a wretched mess. Last summer, my right shoulder hurt like hell. From throwing footballs and baseballs to my children as we stood in our relatively small front yard, basking in the sun, and surrounded by the comforting tree-covered, old, northeast, endless peak-summit mountains. So fortunate are we. And so much, too, am I tangled up in blue with the rationalizing bourgeoisie. How am I here? How can I be anywhere else? It has been such a guided tour. But I have been aware for some time now of all the couture du jour, Though here I choose to stay, still, what of my principles, ideology, and earnest will? Mm-hmm. 
could we be so dumb? Set us up like dominoes. I didn't do it for no magazine. I didn't do it for no video. Sarah Cruz, is that you? Yes, it is. Oh, it's so nice to have you on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Thank you for having me, W. Oh, oh, I can't wait to talk with you. Let me tell a little bit uh, about, I don't have a lot right now. We're going to learn about Ms. Cruz as we discuss. 
Excuse me, I have a bit of a cold, so it's a little different, maybe sounding my voice, but uh, my intent is still good. Here we go. Sarah is an activist and a politician, among other things, and uh, we're going to talk about her journey generally to where she is now. She's relatively young. How old are you, Sarah? Um, I just turned 33 two and a half weeks ago. <clears throat> yeah, for some, you're, you know, for some of my age, you're relatively young. Uh, I'm 53, 20 years older than you. A long time ago when I was, you know, a fairly uh, younger professor, I still am a professor now, Sarah was one of my students, and I've been able to watch her develop as a person over the years, and it's quite extraordinary, quite impressive. Um, recently, more you, you've uh, won a position on our local school board, and mm-hmm. uh, if anybody knows what's going on in, in uh, northeastern Pennsylvania, this Scranton, the city of Scranton in particular with their school district, uh, you'd understand what a huge um, sort of commitment that is. There's a, there, the school district has some major problems, though it's always been a great school district. And during that campaign, you had to deal with some stuff. Uh, we're going to get into that a bit. But first, how did you get to where you are now as a, a young woman looking to try to help your community with, for starters, its school district? Um, well, it is a very interesting um, and unexpected journey. Um, so I would have to say, let me sort of summarize my my childhood and my adolescence and then go into more detail to specifically tell you how I arrived um, as as a director on the, at, at the Scranton School District. So um, I'm a first-generation American, first-generation college graduate. Um, both of my parents are from um, Latin American uh, countries. My mom is from Honduras. My dad is from Puerto Rico. Um, um, both of them you know, reached a certain level of education, um, just, just high school. And so for me growing up education, the importance of striving to, to be a good student and to, to attain a, a high level of, of education was something that was instilled into me from the time that I was little. Um, and so I was always reading, I was always watching the news. I was always being, um, informed on what was going on in our world locally, um, and nationally and internationally. Um, and so that led me to, to study some very, um, interesting things while I was, um, in, in college, while I was a, a student of yours at, uh, Lackawanna, I, I, I still remember your multiculturalism class. I mean, I took multicultural and environmental studies with you, but that multiculturalism class, I still remember, um, stories from that, from that, from that semester and <clears throat> different things that we read. Um, and then when I was at a student at Marywood University, I, um, I studied, um, women's studies and, um, I was involved in student government as well as our, um, campus newspaper. And so that kind of, that well-rounded education and those experiences kind of led me to be a very, um, engaged and um alert um person um and i've always been involved i've always been involved in politics always really invested into what was going on in our political system 
Um, and so that really came to a head um, during the 2016 presidential election cycle, um, where I uh, volunteered for the Hillary campaign during the fall. And it was during that um, time that I became um, in close contact with certain people who are now very <clears throat> prominent in my life and um, were were really instrumental into um, helping me to get where I am today. Um, and so what really, what really was the, the, the thing that got me on the school board was, um, right now I'm, I've been a sales associate at Bosco's, which is our local department store in Scranton. Um, and on a Sunday morning in July, in 2018, um, a then school director by the name of Paige Cognetti walked in and I had known her, um, from the Hillary campaign um, and then as well as when she got on the school board, she um, was doing a lot of moving and shaking there and was featured a lot in our local newspaper, the Scranton Times. And I just told her that I had admired her, admired her work that she was doing. And we were talking about different things, the political process, what was going on with the school district. And that was a 15-minute conversation at the end of it. She said, well, Sarah Cruz, um, we have five open seats that will be up for election in the spring. And I hope to see you on the ballot. And I walked away from that thinking, um, she doesn't know me. She doesn't know that it would be impossible for someone like me to, to run in this area, run for anything. Um, but, uh, almost a year and a half later here, I am, um, sitting, um, in her seat, uh, as a Scranton school director, it's been, just an incredible journey of me like fighting my own insecurities, fighting uh, external, um, uh, a lot of naysayers, but then also just being around a core group of people who have been just so encouraging to me and just, just so supportive. Great story. And I like to mention that now that uh, school director, you talked with Paige uh, Gephardt Cagnetti is the mayor, first female mayor of Scranton. She moved yeah. up to that position, uh, and yeah. and you said she was she she was just um, sworn in a couple last week, just as you were. Yeah. Now I, I want congratulations to both of you. Why do you, why do you say that it was in your mind impossible to run for office when uh, when Mayor uh, Gephardt Cagnetti suggested you do that? Um, and to me, it was impossible um, just because I have always been a very personally always been a very sh shy and demure individual. Um, I've always been one to be very supportive um, of help helping others and sort of being like in the background, like just, just sort of being like a buttress to other people. Um, and then also in this area, um, Scranton is a 154 years old. The majority of people who have been in leadership at all levels have been, have been men have been white, has been heterosexual, um, and has been um, of, of usually of Eastern European or Western European descent. Um, I am um, a, a woman. I am of um, Latin American descent. I am uh, a lesbian. Um, um, I grew up um, also like of, of like a low socioeconomic status. And so someone like me has never even 
come close to to you know running for uh, an elected position or even or anything or anything where where people look up to them for for advice or for um, direction as where to anything in the city should should go to. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I can see. I can yeah. see where you're coming from. Yeah. You know, you, mm-hmm. you had to be a trailblazer. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and I, I want to ask you, so how, what is the significance, do you think, of being young, female, Latina, lesbian as a citizen and as an elected official? Why is all of that together significant? Well, I think each each one of those individual things has its own challenges i mean for so long um women have been marginalized um minorities have been marginalized members of the lgbtq community have been marginalized um and so then all of the and then people who have been um of uh, of low income have been marginalized so being all of those things in one person it's it's just (laughs) it's it's absolutely insane um to 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 be a uh, to be a person in the United States especially now at this time in in where we are as a country in 2020 um i mean and to and to to have to get up every morning and to with the confidence and the uh self assurance to to just exist as who you are and to live and to, and to survive, not just to survive, but then as an elected official to, to, to be an example to others who may, who may have one or more of those um, traits or, or have it or, or in some way feel like they're also not good enough or they can't make a difference to be an example to say, Yes, you can, and especially within um, the the school district. I mean, we have over ten thousand students. We have um, close to twenty school buildings, and the majority of those students now are of minority descent. Um, number one, his, Hispanic, um, and then close to eighty percent are also low, live below the poverty line, and that's why our school district is a title one school and we get free lunch. And so I think it was, I thought it was important that somebody who has that lived experience was on the board to, to bring that perspective to, to, um, district, uh, decisions. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, uh, have experienced, uh, a lot of what, uh, the, the young people and the, and the, uh, adults in those families, um, are experiencing at present so you have firsthand knowledge mm-hmm. and and also empathy mm-hmm. uh, i think which mm-hmm. is important now um when when you were embarking on uh this journey to to more the specific more specific journey to become mm-hmm. a school director mm-hmm. and i know another one of your associates and friends um who just won a position on the council uh, yes. Scranton City Council, uh, uh, both of you, one of the many attributes that you share, I guess, uh, it's, it, to, to me, to categorize these things is so uncomfortable because it's just weird, yeah. but I'm trying to find the yeah. right way to use the words. Uh, you, both of you um, are not heterosexual. 
your yeah. your lesbian women, and mm-hmm. that was called out by some people in in the city as mm-hmm. as as a negative uh, sort of uh, attribute. How mm-hmm. how did that how did how did that happen? How did that work in your mind? Okay. Oh, okay, so the councilwoman that you're talking about is my uh, good friend, Dr. Jessica Rothschild, um, who is a trail who is a trailblazer in her own right, um, and in some ways even more than I am, because she was already doing so much work um, for the LGBT community and for the community in general with her work on the um, the on different um, commissions in the city, and so. Um, Around the same time that I had met uh, Mayor uh, Cognetti, I had met uh, Dr. Rothschild during the Hillary campaign, and so we became fast friends. Um, and I and before I had even was approached to to apply and then to run for school director, I had already joined her campaign uh, for city council, and so I was sort of getting just thinking, okay, this is this is what I'm comfortable with being a supporter, being a good friend, um, and then. Uh, when when the ball started rolling with me running for school director, um, you know, I was concerned that it would affect her campaign, but she's like, no, you got to do this. You got to go for it. Um, and, and so she really encouraged me with that. Um, and so she, with me, it, it was very like, like people who knew me, uh, my family, my close friends, they knew, they knew that I was gay, but I, I wasn't one to, I don't know how to say that. I wasn't one to like, you know, meet somebody new, you know, shake their hand. Hi, my name is Sarah. I'm a lesbian. Like it wasn't that kind of a thing. Um, and, and, but with her, because it was, she had, you know, she was the, she sort of the first LGBTQ uh, group at, at her university, University of Scranton and had done so much work with Equality Pennsylvania. It was, um, it was, you know, one of the first things you would know about her. Um, and so when she had won the primary election in May, um, a local businessman who I will choose not to name, not to, yeah, realize, let's not not mention to give his him the, the, the recognition, um, he went to uh, the following um, city council meeting and called her, uh, I'm not going to even say called her out, he just basically, uh, basically made it seem like if she sat on city council that it would, you know, affect the city, it would affect the children, it would, it would basically just ruin the the moral fiber of the city and it was absolutely insane and um so when we first heard about that um as part of her team like we didn't know what to do about that we didn't know if we were gonna just ignore or if we were going to bring it to light to show um how what's still going on in our world today with homophobia and ignorance and uh bigotry and so we decided to make it public and we shared the uh, the video and it just went viral. And so it became prominent in local news, national news. Um, and so for me, as, as, uh, as someone who had just won the primary and I knew that I would uh, be winning the general election. So as a future elected official and as a friend and as a person, I had to make the decision. Okay. I know I'm going to share the video, but should I also include, Hey, um, you know, he's not just talking about her, he's also talking about me. And so we had talked that weekend, you know, like, if, you know, how's it going to affect my life and how's it going to affect my campaign? Um, and so I finally came to the decision that as, um, 
as as a person, as a woman, as a lesbian, as as a future elected official of a school district in which there are surely students who are being raised in same sex households in a district where there where I know uh, I know and I know of um, teachers and and other employees that are members of the LGBT community and as a district that has students who surely are 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 members of the LGBT community. I had to do it. I had to stand up um, for what was right. Um, and so I I posted the video of what this individual said, and I said, I'm also um, a member of, of the community as well. And I received um, warm responses. I didn't receive any negative backlash publicly or privately. Um, and so that felt really good to, like, get that out there and to to show, you know, sustain solidarity with, with my friend. I remember that post and that uh, I have to say, just re- recalling it I, I, again, it, it's making mm-hmm. me emotional. It made me very emotional when I, when I witnessed the ugliness mm-hmm. coming out of that man and then the, mm-hmm. the eloquence and the, the best, uh, uh, way of human connection that came out of you. Uh, it mm-hmm. was just beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I, I think yeah, I really appreciate that um, coming from you as, as somebody who's very well spoken, as somebody who's very, very well written, somebody who's known me for close to 10 years already. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty. Um, yeah, it was pretty it was pretty insane. And and and, and just hearing you, <laughs> you say that, um, you know, I say I'm Hispanic, but I, I also do have um, Mediterranean blood, Italian blood. And so. Uh, coming from like a, a cultural perspective, um, uh, the the Hispanic uh, uh, culture is very is very traditional. So, it, like coming out publicly in that way was, you know, I was worried. Like, is this going to affect me? Like, if how people how, how people see me? Because during the whole primary, it was like Sarah Cruz, the first minority candidate, um, and so hearing you say that as a as somebody who grew up in a very I know traditional Italian household to 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 get that that um that support from you is is just phenomenal so thank you EW are you kidding me (laughs) I'm not doing anything special you're the one who's doing things that are special you are listening to troubadours and rock on tours with EW conundrum demure on radio free Brooklyn uh um yeah I when you talked about your story, I felt a connection uh, in a way because uh, I'm first generation too. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents are from Italy, and I'm uh, mm-hmm. first generation college grad too. You know, and yeah, and so I, I kind of connect with you on that level as well. And I, I know, believe it or not, I mean, Italians this day and age aren't as castigated or disrespected as people from other communities are. Unfortunately, yeah. but still, when I was coming up, I was, uh, you know, people reminded me that I was uh, uh, a child of immigrants, believe it or not. I remember mm-hmm. he- hearing negative talk. Um, yeah. You know, your parents are new here. You got, basically was the message. You have to earn your, you're not, you're not full, uh, full citizen yet, or you're not fully, mm-hmm. um, you, you don't get all the benefits yet. You haven't earned your, it was weird. It was, they would even call mm-hmm. me, they'd call me a black Italian. 
Yeah. Which I always thought was an odd statement. I guess because I, I was darker skinned or from the South. Yeah. So, All of dark hair, dark but, eyes. And you're like Sicilian, right? Calabrese. Calabrese. Yeah, Calabrese, yeah. But again, it's not the same. It's not the same, uh, I know, uh, yeah. as, as a, a black person or a person of color, that, what they have to deal yeah. with in terms of racism. But I have a si- sort of a, an insight into it. And um, mm-hmm. then you have on top of it, as you said, you, uh, sexual orientation. Uh, now you, you also are, are very devout Christian. Mm-hmm. How, how, yeah. how did that, uh, play as a factor when you came out? Um, so, uh, when I came out, I didn't receive any backlash from my, my church or my pastor specifically. Um, but on the other hand, I didn't receive anything that said, you know, we, we support you, Sarah. We, we were okay with this because I, I do belong to a church that, that traditionally um, d- doesn't believe, doesn't believe in it. And so that's something I still struggle with. Um, I do maintain, I do still attend my church and I maintain a good relationship with my pastor and um, other, uh, other congregants. Um, and so that's something right now that, just with everything that's going on with, with like professionally with the school district, um, uh, like I don't, I don't focus as much on that. I just, I just go to my church and I, and I worship and I pray to God and, and, and I still read my Bible and I do all those things. And I, I, um, but, but I do have friends who, who, who grew up Catholic who now go to an Episcopal church or who go to a reformed Catholic church. And so occasionally I will visit them, their churches as well. Um, so it's really uh, an ongoing sort of learning more about myself, learning more about others. And so I haven't really ar- arrived at a place yet where, uh, where I'm completely, um, uh, I don't know how to say it. Like it's, it's still like an ongoing process in terms of my, my faith and, and reconciling everything that I am with with God. So, <laughs> yeah, that was a tough question. You handled it well. Yeah, um, thank and you. And you're not answering things like the the quintessential politician either. I give you credit for that. Uh, talking around the point and keep that, keep that, keep doing that. Then you'll be yeah, uh, yeah. I cu- I couldn't. I I wouldn't even know like how to like give a, a diplomatic answer because I was raised to be just so just so real and authentic that for me to give like a um a superficial plastic answer it would literally hurt for me to to even uh, contemplate a thought like that and and especially like to your audience who I know are are probably some pretty awesome people for for who uh, your listeners and then you as well. Like I, I couldn't do that to you. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. That's, that's, uh, that's why we have, we're having you, uh, with us today. This is Sarah Cruz, activist, politician, among other things on the program. Uh, and we're talking about her journey, um, and her new position as a school director for the Scranton school district, how she got there. And, and now I'd like to and what she had to deal with to get there. Now, I, I, I want to ask you what do you what do you hope to uh, understand and accomplish as you embrace this component of your community and try to be a leader? So, I hope to understand more, more specifically the the actual work of being a school director. Um, so, this has, 
uh, like I said, this has been a over a year long process. Um, I attended almost every um, work session and and open meeting that the district has to learn how actual meetings work and to learn about the issues that are currently going on. We have a lot that we're dealing with right now. We are um, in recovery with the with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. We have um, a lot of debt. We have um, a huge deficit. Um, we, you know, a lot of our, our buildings need repairs, um, major, major, um, repairs. And, um, there's also a lack of, a lack of trust and a a lack of, um, belief in the school district being able to, to properly educate, um, our students, um, because of, of people and, and, and issues that had happened in in the past over many years that weren't dealt with. And so right now, me along with my colleagues, we are working very hard to to try to repair um, the citizens' um, faith in us and also um, bring the district to financial solvency. Um, and doing it all, <clears throat> doing it all with understanding all sides of of each issue. And so what I hope to understand is is all of that working in and contingent with my colleagues. And then, um, and then also on a personal level, I hope to, to just encourage other, other people in the community who, who may feel like they uh, cannot contribute to, to our city, to our community, who, who may feel like they, they voices wouldn't be heard that they won't have a seat at the table that they can most definitely contribute um, and specifically to the students within the district as well. Um, like I said, there is um, there's a high number of minority students in the district. There's um, a high number of low-income students. And, and so right now, um, a, lot of the, a lot of the employees, a lot of the staff, a lot of the administration are mostly um, uh, Caucasian, European-American. European and so I would really hope that within the next few years as people retire as they um move out of the district that we encourage more um minority professionals teachers coaches all of that to to start applying and start moving to scranton and to so make make a more diverse um staff within the district sort of give these students uh role models that they can look up to people that they can relate to on specific issues that they feel like uh, nobody else, nobody can understand them. So that's what I, and, and also working with um, on a, on a larger, on a larger uh, scape, working with, um, with colleagues um, on city council in the mayor's office um, throughout the city, throughout uh, the County, working just to make this whole area a better place and to sort of, or not, not doing what was done in the past, just moving forward with honesty and transparency and, and hopefully uh, brightening the people's view of Scranton because uh, right now, uh, even still, people are still very um, doubtful and, and there's a lot of naysayers still. So, we're, so right now we're at this point where all eyes are on us and we're, it's just our job to, 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 to prove uh, the people who believe in us right and the people who don't believe in us wrong. Nicely said. And uh, we're just about out of time. 
this go around. I'd love to talk with you again, Sarah Cruz. Oh, most definitely. Anytime you let me know. <laughs> and this time, since we've already done it, it'll, it'll be a, a quicker turnaround for me to actually get back to. <laughs> yeah, less stress. You'll be right. You'll, you're, you'll feel comfortable now. Good, good, good. Yeah, yeah you know, Scranton is, is uh, sort of the, uh, dealing with things that a lot of cities in this great country of ours uh, yeah. are dealing with. And and when you know, in a, in a couple of words, for for those folks who are listening across the continent, you know, Scranton is in a reformation sort of phase right now. It, it, it new city council, new mayor, uh, new school uh, uh, director, set of directors uh, to to deal with some of the problems that are associated with post industrialization and um, and 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 you know, uh, smaller population. Uh, economic struggles. What do you say are some of the, in, in a few words, some of the main things to keep your eye on, to keep in your heart, to keep in your mind when you're dealing with those, those sorts of challenges for those folks listening across the continent who are dealing with similar challenges? Okay, so I would say to to people who um, in other cities, whether they're just general citizens or whether they're in positions the head of um, like nonprofit organizations or the head of, of, of their community in, in either an appointed position or an elected position to, to remember that there are always going to be people, there are always going to be two types of people. There are always gonna be people who will see the glass as half empty and the glass is half full. The people who, uh, the people who see the glasses have empty, no matter what you do, they're going to find something wrong with it. They're going to, they're always going to be looking for, uh, you to slip up for you to say the wrong thing for you to do the wrong thing, because that's where their mind is. They're always, um, they're pessimists and that's just how they are. And they're always going to, to not be happy with, 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 with what you're doing, with what's going on. And ultimately it's because they're not happy with themselves. And then there's going to be the people who, who understand and who, who understand the realities of what's going on and that it's going to be challenging and, and that that's, it's going to be a struggle, but they are going to have that, that little light within them, that, that, that optimistic, hopeful thing that, in, that is going to cheer you on. That's going to root for you. That's going to encourage you. Um, so I would say to, to keep focusing on those people because those are the people who, who are going to, um, to to be the future of whatever um, city or town or or township that that you're in. So that's what I would say to them because uh, I mean what they say like life is life is like ninety what's it, like ten percent of what happens to you ninety percent of how you react to it. So yeah. Well said. <laughs> well said, Sarah Cruz. Thank you so much for being at Troubadours and Rock on Tours. It was wonderful talking to you, and I wish you the best. All right. Thank you so much, EW. You have a good day. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Just I ain't no psychiatrist, I ain't no doctor, 
say to America is be true to what you said on paper. If I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country, maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. So just as I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around, we aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. One day, we will have to stand before the God of history. And we will talk in terms of things we've done. And it seems that I can hear the God of history saying, that was not enough. But I was hungry. And you fed me not.
I'm hoping that you come back to win. I'm walking, yes indeed I'm talking about you and me. I'm hoping that you come back to me. What you gonna do when the well runs dry? Are you gonna run away and hide? What you gonna do when the well runs dry? Pack your bags and say goodbye. I'm walking, yes indeed I'm talking about you and me. I'm hoping that you come back to me. Woke, the tumult of trying to be free, luscious as the night sweats can be, knowing it is a sign that the fever has broke. Are you woke as they prod and poke at the essence of your best humanity? Thank you. 
And there you have it, episode 353 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, activist, politician, and all-around great person, Sarah Cruz. The great, extraordinary human being, Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King, Jr. Thank you, sir. And these musical artists, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Randall Bramblett, Jacob Dillon, Donnie Harrison, Amos Lee, Lucas Nelson, Mika Nelson, and Willie Nelson, Aretha Franklin, the Rebirth Jazz Band, Jillian Welch, of course, Brentford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. Thanks so much for listening. Until next week, let's give it a go and try to enjoy this one. Take care.